It's the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie, and Benno. Hello, welcome to episode 7 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host Martin Busby and joining me as always is Richard Benson, aka Benno. And sadly, Ollie can't be here with us this week, but we've got a bumper show for you. But um, before we get to talk some wrestling, um, I mean, it'd be a bit remiss of us not to mention Benno's fellow Liverpoolian Darren Till. He'll be facing off against Stephen Thompson at UFC Fight Night in May. I mean, Benno, Till certainly captured the headlines when he beat Daniel Cerrone last October, didn't he? I mean, obviously, you live in Liverpool. I mean, what's feeling around the town for this uh, for the hometown boys? There's much uh, buzz about UFC coming there and, uh, and what Till's done in UFC so far. Yeah, it does seem like there's a, a lot of buzz. Uh, I'm drinking a coffee and we're talking MMA. That's very on brand for Post. I, mean, I enjoy <laughs> that. Um, I mean, I'm not a huge MMA guy, but my girlfriend is. She's big into it and she loves uh, Darren Taylor. Listen to, obviously, John a lot. and You can't help but listen and, and read Dave Meltzer and learn about, a lot about MMA as well. So I wouldn't say I'm a super fan, but I'm definitely interested in this and I'm definitely going to go. Um, I think the, the Cowboy fight was kind of what? what brought Darren Till to the forefront. He, he had a bit of a name locally, but yeah, people seem to be getting behind him. We like a, a big local fighter in Liverpool. Tony Bell, you always get uh, great support from a, <laughs> from a boxing point of view. And yeah, it feels like the time's right for, for Liverpool to kind of to have a UFC show. We've had Cage Warriors and like running here for years. I remember years ago, flyering Cage Warriors show with Ring of Honor leaflets when I was doing some, some grunt work for them back in the day in, in the mid-2000s. And there's lots of smaller shows like that that have happened over the years and the Echo Arena that UFC are running. Um, a few different companies have run there as well. But yeah, it's really cool to see UFC come in. There seems to be uh, quite a bit of buzz there as well. So yeah, I think the, the whole city seems to be on Darren until it's uh, a bit of a worry as to you know whether he, he's stepping up a little mm-hmm. bit too early. Wonder Boys are... are you know, it's a it's a great fight. It's a marquee fight, but I don't know if it's a bit too much too soon. But yeah, you'll have the the likes of me cheering him in the stands. So yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how it goes. And it's uh, well, there'll certainly be a lot more people in Neko Arena than the last time you were there as well, won't there? Uh, I saw wrestling, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, yeah. it'd be great. I mean, outside of Liverpool, it'd be great. Obviously, Michael Bisting's uh, retired or is retiring, um, but so you know, it'll be great for uh, the UK to have like a, a big marquee UFC guy, and hopefully, we'll be getting some more big events uh, over here in the in the coming months and years if uh, Till continues on this. Uh, on this path, but anyway, uh, I mean, back on track, and as always, loads has happened, hasn't it, in the world of Brit Rest uh, since we last spoke to each other, so uh, let's get into it. Progress held Chapter 65, Have Some Faith in Sound, on the 25th of March at the Electric Ballroom in Camden, and uh, I mean, the show is headlined by Progress champion Travis Banks taking on Flash Morgan Webster, and I mean... We've noted on a few of our shows now, Banks' character's kind of gone a bit strange, hasn't it, for the past couple of months? Mm. And um, and on the surface is the fighting champion, this white meat baby face, but the crowd have started to turn on him a bit, haven't they? And it seemed more so in this match, is, uh, this main, again, main event rather against Flash Morgan Webster, that uh, this slow heel turn, they're, they're actually going with it here, aren't they? Yeah, it's strange. I mean... The, the, the obvious comparison, and the big comparisons in the match, the Roman Reigns, didn't he? Um, with mm. Trav starting the match, doing the, the fist thing that Roman does, and they're obviously leaning into this negative reaction you just mentioned that Travis is getting. Mm. And my take for Roman Reigns has always been, 
you know, you get people arguing about, well, why do smart fans boo Roman Reigns? Why does he get a negative response? And my point always is, it doesn't matter why. What matters is he gets the negative response. So lean into it. And I'm one of those people who will go on about how Roman Reigns should be a heel for that reason. So mm. I suppose progress are using that um, that logic and doing that with Travis Banks. But I don't know. There's just nothing... It's bad booking that's led us here. I don't think that Travis is particularly uh, greatly suited to being a heel. I always thought in the unit with TK Cooper, he was TK was the personality in that unit. Um, so I just don't know. It just feels like a that they're having to do this now, or at least they feel like that they have to do this now. But I just don't think this we have to be here. I think if the, there was a better story told with, with Travis, who was doing so well as defending champion, and if they'd. TK Cooper and Chris Brooks is two best mates. That was that's been the crux of the last couple of months. Is Trav, you know, not picking a side and feuding with the two of them. Two people who were probably much stronger personalities than he than he is, but also people who are probably much more I don't know would be better as heels than Travis Banks. So it just surprises me that the it's Travis Banks that we're leading into being a heel um, rather than I mean I know TK is going to looks like he's going to be going with him, but. I just, yeah, I, I'm not sure on, on the logic that's led us um, to this point. Although, yeah, I would say, at least in isolation in the match itself, uh, Travis did um, show some... He, he was relatively entertaining as a heel, being cocky and being really mean in the match as well. Um, so there is some positive there, and it was entertaining in moments. But, yeah, I've just got a question. Why are we even at this point? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And as well as his opponent, I mean, Morgan Webster's another strange one, isn't he? Seemingly has some kind of alliance with Vicky Haskins. I mean, he sent her to the back before this match started. But, um, I mean, it, it, it's just weird in headlining a progress show, isn't it? I mean, what did mm. you think of uh, Morgan Webster's headline and, and the actual match itself? I think as a match, I did end up enjoying it. I've got to admit that. I think I, I was probably one of the more vocal people. Flash Morgan Webster is just another person who I feel has been booked into oblivion. Um, this losing streak run that's where they've been teasing, turning him heel, I just think that it, it never gets anybody over. And I felt like going into this match, Flash Morgan Webster was maybe one of his least over points in progress history. And I was mm. fearing the worst that they were going to put him over here. And it, you know, maybe I should be glad that he wasn't coming out as world champion here. But I, I've got to say, yeah, in isolation, in the match itself, I think... Travis going straight into the heel routine and doing the Roman Reigns thing um, did allow Flash Morgan Webster to do what he's best at, which is sympathetic selling. And Banks was, you know, kicking the shit out of him for, for <laughs> lack of a, a better way of putting it. And it worked for him being this slow plodding heel in the actual match. Um, so they did get, I suppose, the reaction that they wanted to. You had Glenn Joseph on commentary talking in hushed tones about how uh, this is a, a new Travis Banks and the fans have turned on him. Um, and yeah, he did get brutal in the match. I did enjoy, at least in isolation, uh, moments of what uh, Travis was doing in the match as a heel. Uh, I did think it was a little bit awkward when TK Cooper came in and did the interference, hit a big spear, and you've got Dahlia Black on commentary, who I don't think is very good in the role. Um, she may grow into it, but I don't think she's ready for chapter shows. But she being, you know, the third part of the uh, the South Pacific trio is is having to kind of play it straight when the the two other members are essentially turning here, heel here in progress and going the, the whole hog. Um, so, yeah, I've got really 
conflicted feelings on it. Um, I'm never a big fan of the dusty finish, uh, which Progress do like going to. But again, if their purpose here, and it was, was to get Travis Banks over his heel, get Flash Morgan Webster over as a face, well... You know, Travis Banks, the, the criticism a lot of people have had is he's been Superman in his matches and he pulls out the you know the winner after one count kickouts yeah. and he's been leaning into that himself on uh, on Twitter, hasn't he? So I suppose it, it it worked for the moment doing the dusty finish absolutely got people against Travis Banks when he eventually uh, won with a roll up. But yeah, I just don't think anyone uh, in this longer story is aligned really in the place that they they should be um, but again I do think that the wrestlers themselves at least had some uh, good individual performances given the circumstances well it'll be interesting to see because obviously Progress's next shows are uh, in New Orleans obviously in front of an American audience we'll discuss those at length later in the show but it'll be interesting to see what reaction uh, Travis Banks gets over there because obviously I, you know you'd imagine a lot of the guys are watching it on demand, but, you know, if they're doing this slow heel turn now, if we'll still get a babyface reaction when yeah. it's in America, so it'll be interesting to see what the dynamic is there. But, I mean, the other big match from this one was uh, you, we had former Atlas champion Rampage Brown facing off against the current champion, Walter, and obviously Walter's been dominating as champion, hasn't he? I mean, some brutal matches with, like, Sir Mark Davis and Tim Thatcher, and, I mean... This match wasn't to the level of his war he had with Thatcher uh, the other month, but I, I thought it was still an enjoyable match. And um, I know some people aren't big fans of Rampage Brown, but I thought it was great to see him uh, back at the ballroom. Yeah, I mean he's the original Atlas champion. His name is the original. Uh, you know, he's a Progress original. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think a role like this in odd matches like this works for Rampage. Um, I think he's gotten stale in the past, and I think there's a, there's a danger of that with him. I think he's just done everything he can do in progress. So I'm not sure if I bring him back every show, but yeah, matches like this where you've got a couple of big lads just you know beating the crap out of each other, it does work. Um, you mentioned you know this. I don't think this was up to the level of Walter's previous matches. I feel like he's kind of carrying the progress shows right now. I've got my criticism of some of the booking, but the way they're handling Walter, the matches that mm. they're putting him in. Um, he's a big part of, of why the progress shows are, have still been really great shows um, based on, on the in-ring at least and I think he's just it's kind of like the, the Atlas belt is almost carrying the progress shows right now um, and I think Walter who's let's hope he, he's not headed to WWE um, because I think he's got a, a great role to play uh, obviously in WXW and here in progress he seems to be taking a lot more bookings uh, over in the UK at the moment I don't know what that's about as well uh, but yeah if we get more more matches like this from Walter and, and progress do seem to obviously be getting behind him that'd be great um, but yeah as a match it was yeah like I said two, two big boys just smashing crap out of each other I thought it went maybe a few minutes too long I think the, the striker exchanges the the what's kind of become the, the token chop exchanges with walter uh, you never get used to those um but rampage was given as good as he got they probably went a few minutes too long with that stuff it felt like the crowd mm. started to quiet down uh near the end but yeah as far as you know two big lads giving you an atlas match i thought it was not great but but good uh, a good match and they were going for epic maybe they didn't quite get there but yeah you, you can tell sometimes when two wrestlers have uh, a genuine respect for each other and it did seem like these two did so yeah it was a a good match between uh between two big lads and, uh, another notable um appearance was uh rob lynch he was making his big comeback for the company you know after all the controversy with his former tag team partner james davis and uh lynch got a hero's reception in his match against doug williams i mean 
the match wasn't anything to write home about. But uh, what are your thoughts on the return of Lynch and also Doug Williams? He's obviously a British wrestling legend. He's uh, appeared at a number of Progress events now, and he seems to be developing a bit of a losing streak, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, I mean, gone is the, the Valhalla. Instead, we got the battle-tested Rob Lynch. He's mm. still got the, the weird duffel coat and a Bullet Club knockoff shirt. Um, I like the riots as much as anybody. Obviously, the... You know, the stories around James Davis that we covered on this show, uh, absolutely sour that. And it is hard now to go back and watch uh, their tag matches. Um, I suppose uh, Rob Lynch is, if, if Progress like him and they want to bring him back, then okay. But I don't know. I don't think, I'm not sure what he's got to offer long term, really. And I think every time he's on screen, you're going to be, whether it's right or not wrong, you're going to be thinking about his former partner and you're going to be wondering what he what he knew about all that stuff. That's the issue, um, isn't it? You know, you, you wonder, you know, like you just know there how much how much he did know about what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'd, I'd be, I, I think it'd be difficult to say that he, that he didn't. Um, but, I mean, that doesn't make him absolutely guilty by association, but it just yeah makes it awkward to watch him. And, I, and it was an okay match. Um, I don't think it needed to be on the show. Again, similar to what I was just saying about Rampage and Walter, it was two big beefy lads kind of uh, hitting each other hard and you know they, they put rob lynch over and like you say the continuing this this losing uh streak gimmick with doug williams it it felt like a retirement tour um they've kind of not been talking that element of it up quite as much um but yeah it was no surprise i suppose to see rob lynch go over although i see i say see him go over he hit a hit a spear here for the finish and i know you've uh, martin you've been critical of the camera work as of i in progress i think it was so close up here you could barely make out what the move is as is <laughs> yeah. the, the progress uh, shaky cam um yeah it, it was a fine match apparently he's the king of the spears that's what glenn joseph said on commentary uh it was fine um but i don't think we need really to see this battle tested rob lynch push in progress i just think there's too much negativity around him and it would be one thing if he was personally good enough to to justify it and I'm, I'm not quite sure he is i don't think he's of the level um of the the progress roster uh, anymore um as much as you know his contributions in, in the past have, have been great well um progress released a documentary on uh, doug williams i think it was today or yesterday i haven't had a chance to watch it yet but do you, could you see him continuing in in the promotion and maybe having some uh, sort of big retirement match um, at their wembley show later on in the year That'll be that'll be the time to do it. Uh, I don't know what other promotion you do it. And Doug's been around so long. I don't know who you. So as we all associate him with the old FWA, um, he hasn't really got a home promotion. So progress would be as good a place to do it, and that'd be as a, a good a stage to do it as well. If he was to put over a, a younger wrestler, put over someone like a like a Mark Davis or somebody like that um, in a big match then that could be cool um, and you could get some some use out of Doug Williams. But yeah, uh, as much as I wasn't hugely into the match uh, and as much as I wasn't hugely into the other guy, it is always nice to see Doug Williams. He is a, a genuine uh, living legend of British wrestling after all. I mean, uh, we noted on the show a couple of weeks back, the slow-burning feud between Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews has been one of the best things in British wrestling this year, and, and they continued that here on the show, didn't they? Dennis came out during the Danny Duggan against <laughs> Danny Jones match, and um, after Jones lost, Dennis got on the mic and stated that it wasn't really Jones's fault and that his trainer Mark Andrews was far too busy working for WWE <laughs> in the United States. So, uh, more good stuff from Dennis here, wasn't he, Benno? It's just, uh, you know, more teasing of this match that they're eventually going to have 
Definitely, yeah. I mean, the match itself was terrible. Uh, it was just a couple of very plain lads. Didn't belong on the show, I would say. But the most important, the most interesting thing, yeah, was Eddie Dennis coming out. Um, I kind of realised halfway through, I was getting a little bit bored. Obviously, at some point, Eddie Dennis is coming out. So, yeah, and he did. Uh, and his cheerleading of, of Jones to, uh, and then Jones trolling him to get off the apron was was great stuff. Um, and, and it gives him plausible deniability as well. I was thinking he was going to get in and hit one of them and cause a DQ, but instead it's just the kind of his general presence um, being enough to uh, to cause cause the loss. But yeah, I think he, he, there's no better promo than Eddie Dennis um, in wrestling right now. Maybe he's spinning his wheels a little bit with this storyline because he's injured, but I think it's making for a better story. I think it's a better story that the Mark Andrews wasn't there, so Eddie Dennis can somehow blame him for for Danny Jones losing. It's not my fault. It's not your fault. It's Mark Andrews' fault. I love that line. Um, he's so good. It's the best feud in progress, and it's benefited maybe in some ways from the fact that Eddie Dennis is injured. They can't pull the trigger on the match at the moment, so instead we're getting lots of these segments. And how good is it going to be when the, the two of them go go one on one? Either I suppose the big Manchester show seems a bit soon. Probably um, you would expect to in September when we get to Wembley. Yeah, well, you would hope they'd hold it off till Wembley now, because like you said, the Manchester show is a bit slightly too soon, isn't it? Mm. You don't want to be, especially coming back from injuries, you don't want to be rushing straight into the big match, yeah. do you? You want him to have That'd a couple be a of tune-up matches first. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be good to see it when it eventually happens. And, um, I mean, any other notable uh, moments from the show for you? Just the fact that, yeah, we talked about Walter and we talked about Travis Banks, the fact that we're, we're going towards champion versus champion. Um, echoes of, of you know, other promotions have done that in the past, Ring of Honor in the past with the big Brian Danielson and Nigel McGuinness uh, matches. I don't think we're going to quite get a, a title unification here, but yeah, I think that's as, as big a match as, as Progress can put on at the moment. I don't think they've announced where that's going to be yet, um, but yeah, they would certainly fit on one of the, the big shows coming up, either as a, a non-tournament Super Strong style match or as, as something they do on, on one of the bigger uh, shows coming up. Um, so yeah, that's interesting going forward. Um I, I, the TK Cooper and Chris Brooks match, I would say again, just quickly, I mean, we've talked ad nauseum about that feud and its problems. I would say those two wrestlers, though, did a, did a great job. Yeah. Uh, I've not really bought that they really hate each other uh, in this feud up until this point. I didn't really feel that it was a feud that really warranted this kind of a match yet, this kind of no-DQ match. But I think in the moment, uh, the two of them, again, the two wrestlers delivered and delivered a, a really great match. I mean, that pop when TK hit the Spanish fly to, to Brooks on the yeah. outside through the table was nuts. Um, it was a super violent match. Um, bit strange coming on third on the show, not even the, the main event of the first half, but I suppose they had the two title matches. But yeah, that was uh, certainly uh, another... Uh, the positive for me from the show. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed the match. It's like I think them, t those two are too easy going to have sort of like this big, you know, <laughs> rivalry, aren't they? They always try yeah. as being too easy going. So I suppose that might come across in uh, when they're wrestling as well. But yeah, certainly a, a great match that I enjoyed. And uh, I mean, of course, uh, noted earlier, progress will be on hand in New Orleans, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later. But uh, WXW held a show the night before this uh, progress chapter in London, headlined by a. Cracking four-way between Ilya Dragunov, David Starr, Travis Banks and Walter. And, um, I mean, there was some interesting news came out of WXW, wasn't there, recently, that they've uh, suspended Bad Bones' John Klinger indefinitely. I mean, no other news has come out since the announcement that WXW made via their uh, social media pages. But uh, what do you make of this, Benno? I mean, Klinger's one of the big stars of WXW, didn't he? he seems to, this seems to come out of the blue for them, especially after uh, 16 Carat. A little bit, yeah. I mean, I've known of Bad Bones for years, and 
I was kind of being there live, WXW, and hopefully he came across another year. I was blown away with his heel work. I thought he really offers something different to WXW as this sports entertainment style heel in a in a promotion where you got Walter and other very serious wrestlers. He's just he, he's fantastic in the role. And you, a couple of times over the weekend, we ran into him, and he, he comes. We saw we went into there's we were talking on our last show about the fact there's nothing near uh, in Oberhausen there's nothing near the WXW venue other than the, the McDonald's and we went in there and he was stood he was stood in there with his perfect tan and a black a full on black suit which was quite the sight to be in uh, Oberhausen McDonald's and see Bad Bones and we talked to him a little bit and he's got this really he's easy going but he's got this kind of threatening Taz like demeanor for yeah. a, he's somewhat short in stature but he's wide. He comes across quite intimidating, um, and I think that that works for his character. And I've I don't know. I just don't know what the the real story is here. There's no usually when something like this happens, and you see Twitter rumors about it. If you search the word "bad bones" on Twitter, you'll find some people speculating over what he's done. But I've not really even seen that. Uh, yeah. No indication that it's you know some kind of legal controversy. There's no indication that there's you know anything else up whether it's a disciplinary matter with wxw uh they do keep things you know quite close to the chest in wxw so maybe that play you know that, that plays into it as well as a, a secrecy behind i heard some people making uh i don't know some allusions to the fact that it that it could possibly be a work and it's, it's a big story and then it come back but i don't really see that the fact that they've stripped the belt belt off him um I don't know. As much as WXW are good at uh, this, you know, that they'll always say that kayfabe isn't dead. Uh, but I don't know. That that might be a, a bit of a stretch too far, even for them. It's just all a all a bit of a mystery. And yeah, it'll be yeah, hopefully at some point we'll get some detail on it because he's uh, it, a real loss for WXW, um, and he was a, a big part of what that made that sixteen carat weekend so memorable for me. So. It'll be a shame if he's gone, but I don't want to say too much, depending on you know what the reason is that he's gone. Well, yeah, we still never found out quite why uh, Shane Strickland got banned from WXW mm-hmm. the other year. Similar well. to that, isn't it? Something seems to happen from his uh, flight from Germany to England, didn't it, that no one's ever spoken about. So, yeah, I guess that's one for the rumour mill as well. Yeah, and certainly be interesting to see what happens with uh, Bad Bones in the coming months. And moving on here to uh, Fight Club Pro, where... Uh, the Wolves-based promotion held their second annual Dream Tag Team Invitational Tournament over three days. Uh, they had a date in Wolverhampton, Manchester and Birmingham on the 30th, 31st of March and 1st of April. And uh, the show held in Birmingham at the NEC Arena was their uh, biggest show to date. And sadly, none of these shows have dropped online yet. But uh, Benno, you attended Night 2 in Manchester, didn't you? So uh, mm. some of the highlights from Night 2 before we talk about some of the results. Yeah, I thought it was a... Uh... A just fine, but but not great show uh, from Fight Club Pro. I was a bit disappointed, to be honest. Uh, maybe that's my fault for... I mean, night one was Wolverhampton, night two was Manchester, night three was Birmingham, and I chose the Manchester show because it's, it's more local to me. But it felt a bit of an inconsequential show. The fact that there were only six matches, they tried to be clever. The opening match of Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor against Mustache Mountain... It was uh, Orange Cassidy turned it into a false Cult Anime match and the wrestlers brawled to the back and we never actually got a result. Um, so then throughout the night, they'd reappear at different parts of the building, which was quite funny, yeah. and carry on brawling. And they did their intermission, into intermission, only stopping to go and uh, sell some T-shirts. So I kind of uh, appreciated that, that, the, the, that that was a clever thing to do. But it meant we only got a first half with three matches, that being 
one of them. Um, so it was a bit of a just a strangely structured show, I would say. I think the the big match that I was really looking forward to, as far as uh, the weekend goes, and as far as the the one night that I was going to be at, I was looking forward to seeing um, seeing Phoenix in there. He's, he's one of my one of my favorite wrestlers. Him and Pentagon. Pentagon obviously not making the trip, but Phoenix was supposed to be going one on one with Pete Dunne. And they interjected Sammy Callahan into the match. Uh, and I know that followed on from some storytelling they did on, on day one, but it just took away from the what I thought was the one marquee match we had for the night. Um, and instead, we got a three-way, and three-ways can be okay. Uh, we talked about WXW last month doing a really good example of a three-way, but I would much rather have seen uh, Phoenix and Pete Dungo one-on-one because yeah. the three-way match we got was nowhere near as good as that. I mean, the second half of the show was a lot stronger. Um, I did enjoy there was a tag with Aussie Open and Travis Banks against Miko Satomura uh, and Desmond that Xavier and Zachary Wentz. That was a really good match, um, as was uh, the four-way with Dash Shikato, Kaylee Ray, Chris Wolf and Millie McKenzie. Uh, we had a couple of really good matches in there, but it just felt without that um, big singles match, without it didn't feel like, like a complete show. We had six matches all together. The main event was CCK against the Chosen Bros, which was an okay match um, with Chris Brooks, um, kind of who's no longer uh, the champion, which is a story we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, that the, the properly leaning into being a heel, and he got his his win via death by roll up after throwing powder in the eyes of Carbon Riddle, which is a good heel finish. But in the building, it was just a bit deflating um, after a, what felt like a something of a, an inconsequential card for, for that to be the end and then not really to be that one big match there. So, yeah, I've been to a lot of good Fight Club Pro shows over the last year, so I shouldn't be ungrateful. But, yeah, I wouldn't say uh, that one was was up there with the with the better cards that they've put on lately. Well, uh, you mentioned it the, just then. I mean, on the, the first night of this weekend, there are Sendai Girls legend Maiko Setamura defeated Chris Brooks for the Fight Club Pro Championship, didn't she? And that's uh, certainly an interesting one because obviously she's booked for the Fight Club Pro show in New Orleans and then they've got a um, sort of a Sendai Girls special show coming up in May, haven't they? So uh, could you see her holding the belt for quite a long time here? I think so, yeah. The fact that she's going to be in New Orleans with them, the fact that, yeah, you mentioned there's, there's May as well. It's good that they've got to come and back. Um, I don't know. I'm just a bit Fight Club Pro, again. Don't want to act spoiled because I've had some of the best nights out I've ever had. Go into wrestling, go into watch Fight Club Pro. But some of the storytelling sometimes just leaves a lot to be desired. And I've talked to some people who were big on her beating Chris Brooks because it kind of comes full circle. You know, Chris Brooks has, has always uh, been a bully in the past. And he's always, you know, there's been lots of, you know, him and Miller McKenzie wasn't long ago where, you know, he never holds back when he's going on these intergender matches. So there was a nice bit of, I don't know, justice in him losing to, to a female. But his, his title run in Fight Club Pro has just been pretty awful um they put the travis banks after you know his big infinity win never really got the, the title run that uh, we all expected for him in fight club pro then chris brooks has had the belt and he's barely defended it he's doing a lot of tag team stuff which is unsurprising the fact that they've got cck there i understand they want to use them as a team but he never felt like the ace of the promotion so while i haven't seen this day one yet and i'm sure it was a again a great moment in a vacuum to see miko win the belt um i don't know i don't know if they've done the the storytelling necessary with with chris brooks for it to hugely matter that he's using the fight club pro uh belt because he just hasn't felt like the champion this entire time and that's kind of you know me and ollie have talked about it and you know yourself as well that that's been my, my 
critique of Fight Club Pro as much as I enjoy the night out. The storytelling tying the, the, the shows together just isn't really there. A lot of the time, Fight Club Pro feels like a, the cards are just put together. Oh, well, who have we got? Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll put them against them. We'll do a seven-way. We'll throw Sammy Callahan in the three-way. Um, and there's not a lot of thought put in because I think this Miko win, as much as it meant, would have meant a lot more if, if Chris Brooks had been a stronger champion going in. I suppose you say that, though, but I suppose we've just noted there they've run their uh, biggest show today, and uh, this sort of, like, scramble of cards is, uh, is what's brought them to the dance, hasn't it? It's sort of taken them from uh, small little warehouses in Wolverhampton to this, so what? I suppose they obviously think they're on some kind of winner here. It is what people love about Fight Club Pro. Um, I just think there comes a point where if you're at this size, I don't think you can get away with it. And you can get away with it when they were doing smaller shows. But I think, I mean, last year's DTTI felt like a huge breakthrough mm. moment for them. And they've capitalized. And last year, they had the best attendances. I named them as my Brit Rev promotion of the year. But I just think when you're at the size that they're at now and you want to play with the big boys, I think they just need to pay just a little bit more attention to the yeah. detail to make these moments mean maybe just a little bit more. I mean, um, in the in the final night at the NEC, uh, Mustache Mountain defeated uh, Aussie Open to become uh, the brand new Fight Club Pro Tag Team Champions. And uh, look, just going from looking at pictures from the final night of the NEC, it seems uh, the risk of uh, running there paid off because it seemed uh, pretty full in there just looking at some of the pictures, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Uh, I hear from some people there saying because it's a big room, it was a little bit echoey and it hurt the atmosphere a little bit. But yeah, um, as much as I've, I've said a couple of negative things there, it is genuinely impressive considering where they've come from um, that they're running the NEC. And like you say, I think Mustache Mountain are a, a great choice to to be winning the, 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 the first uh, tag team belts in Fight Club Pro. Um, I think a lot of people wanted Aussie Open to win that and be the first champions. But I think the if uh, Fight Club Pro are going to be telling uh, more long-term stories, then Aussie Open chasing, I think, is is the more interesting uh, story of the two. And you've got Mustache Mountain, who are a you know, well-renowned tag team at this point, giving um, some big credentials uh, to those tag belts and, and just giving it some legitimacy. I mean, just to uh, segue that, Mustache Mountain, obviously heavily involved, uh, or would be heavily involved with WWE UK, which is something that we haven't really discussed on this show uh, for the past couple of episodes, uh, because... There's been nothing to talk about. I mean, Pete Dunn's still the UK <laughs> champion, isn't he? And he's a uh, bit defending the belt on NXT, but nothing's really happened um, as far as a full-blown UK promotion or maybe just even a TV show. But in the past couple of weeks, Dave Meltzer and uh, Neil Docking from The Mirror have uh, reported that Zach Gibson has signed a, a contract with WWE and also that Joe uh, Joe Coffey might have signed one as well. And I mean, Benno, what are your thoughts on these signings? Do you think this means the company are still pursuing some kind of UK promotion or TV show? Well, ITV is dead. We can definitely say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah Gibson and Coffey. I think the, the two people who, when you looked at that list of ITV wrestlers and then WWE UK coincidentally started up, you kind of looked at it. And I, being a big fan of Zach Gibson, kind of looked at it and went, oh, what were you doing signing for ITV when, yeah, you know, you've, you've got maybe cost yourself this WWE contract now, but yeah, things have come full circle. ITV's gone. Um, I don't see it coming back. And at last, WWE have signed Zach Gibson. Um, Joe Coffey's a, a solid signing as well. I, I don't see as much upside for him in, in WWE. I've never seen him as a big personality. Solid wrestler, um, but I suppose he, he could surprise us. But Zach Gibson, the absolute promo of Brit Rez. Uh, there's no one better 
Uh, I've been watching him since his days as Zach Diamond when he was a skinny CM Punk lookalike. Um, I remember when he first t- turned and became the more serious straight-laced Zach Gibson. And he was quite charismatic as this upstart Zach Diamond in his first days as Zach Gibson. I found him a little bit bland, which is absolutely not what you can say about him now. He's just developed and developed. He works absolutely everywhere. Sometimes that costs him. You know, he'll, 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 go, he'll go away to China. He'll take an ITV contract. He'll... He'll take any booking, pretty much, it feels. You see Zach Gibson work absolutely everywhere. But he's got better for it, um, and he is the best promo. And I think he, I think the fact that his five-star work as well, I wonder if maybe that put him over the top as well. I think he was already clearly on the WWE radar, but seeing him as bad as five-star was, he was the shining star of that product. He was on TV, cutting, he was TV-ready, and he was the probably one of the only wrestlers who felt that way on the show, cutting absolute money promos, and if you were a William Regal or anyone from WWE, you couldn't watch that show and, and not think that they should sign him. Um, so yeah, uh, maybe WWE UK is back on. Um, who knows uh, how they'll, they'll actually use him, but yeah, it's absolutely fantastic to see um and yet he's one of our best it'll be it'll be a shame to lose him from the indies um if we do lose him from the indies and he doesn't end up in this weird uh, zone that uh, the WWE uk guys are working both uh, this weird purgatory uh but yeah uh, no one for my money deserves it more uh, in british wrestling than zach gibson yeah, and you did know about Five Star then, and um, certainly you would have thought WWE were interested in him from his sort of like matches and promos in places such as Progress, but um, I mean, he was opening those Five Star shows, weren't he, doing 10 to 20 minute promos, you know, holding your interest, and certainly that's something that WWE uh, do a lot on their uh, on their TV shows, isn't it, open the open the shows with promos and storylines, <laughs> and uh, Zach Gibson was, you know, tailor-made to do that by watching the five-star uh, wrestling show. So, uh, yeah, great, great news that he's been signed by them. And um, just moving on to uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, I mean, they recently held their second Strong Style of All show in uh, the USA the other week, obviously to great critical and commercial success. And uh, a couple of days after this, the announcement was made that they'll be running a UK version of Strong Style of All on the... 30th of June and the 1st of July in Milton Keynes and Manchester, respectively. I mean, obviously, this couldn't have been run without their uh, partner, Reb Pro, and it's been announced that 14 New Japan wrestlers will be headed over and they'll be mixed in with some Reb Pro regulars. I will note that um, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi and the Young Bucks have confirmed themselves that they won't be at the shows, but still a great announcement for the UK, isn't it, Benno? It is, yeah. I mean, I, I said on Twitter at the time, is it bad that I'm almost exhausted by all these big <laughs> announcements and these big shows? That That is the, it's a horrible thing to say because I've wanted New Japan to come to the UK and do a show proper for years. Just, I feel like I'm buying tickets every weekend. There's just so much good stuff going on in Brit Res and this is another thing. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, you mentioned it seems to be in conjunction with RevPro. It's, uh, I mean, obviously Andy Quilden made the announcement on Twitter. He's also said that there's going to be 14 homegrown New Japan guys, i.e. people who, who are from Japan um, and are New Japan regulars who are going to be on the show. So that's a that's a decent number. Obviously, once you add your Ospreys and your Zack Sabres and your Marty Skirls and maybe any Americans, that beefs that number up as well. But it's yeah, it's so cool that we're getting a show proper. Interesting as well, the, the work in uh, two uh, former, well, used to be what, Culture Pro Wrestling, Defiant Wrestling venues, um, two 
to ice rinks. Uh, that'll be interesting to see New Japan there. But yeah, as much as a, a joke about there being too much to buy for, I was there on the on the Thursday morning, uh, refreshing. Um, I'm going to be going, uh, and I can't wait uh, to see New Japan over here. I think it's. I think that they've had great success uh, going over to the US, and they're obviously going to be running uh, even bigger arenas over in the US. It does feel a little bit like this UK show doesn't have quite the. I don't know. The fact that Andy Quilden made the statement on Twitter was cool, but there hasn't really much been much big push from New Japan, at least on their shows that I've seen so far, other than Zack Sabre cutting killer promos about it. Um, so I don't know if it's it's going to be an A show, um, but even, to be honest, if we get to go there and I get to see a couple of legitimate New Japan six bands, and I don't care who's in there throwing you, throwing you Goto's, throwing you Yoshihashi's. Um, I want to see, I want to see guys that you don't see all the time over here that Rev Pro don't always bring over. I want to see some of the the lower members of, of Suzuki Goon. I want the legitimate New Japan experience. It's going to be so cool to be there, and uh, yeah, I get to see New Japan on our home soil. Well, yeah, exactly. Obviously, we are spoiled over here in the UK, and Red Pro do bring a number of uh, New Japan guys over for their shows every sort of three months, but um, it'll be good to see a whole load of them all on one show, won't it? And, um, I mean, you mentioned some of the lower card guys there. I don't think uh, Okada or Tanahashi have been over here in a while, so it'll be interesting mm. to see them on that show as well. As much as uh, they appeared for Red Pro before, I think it's been a couple of years, hasn't it? So it'll be interesting to see the, the big guns back over here. And, um... I mean, while we're discussing New Japan, it'd be remiss of us not to discuss the trio of Brits who had great matches at the recent Sakura Genesis show. I mean, obviously, John and Wei go into depth on the whole card on the recent Patreon-only review show that I think dropped uh, a couple of days ago. But um, but Benno, I mean, Will Ospreay against Marty Skill and then Zack Sabre Jr. facing off against <laughs> Okada in the main event. Fantastic to see great matches and um, a great advert for British wrestling, wasn't it? Definitely. I mean, there's no more important match for this Brit Res Broom than Osprey and Scale. Um, and this felt like the biggest match on, on the biggest stage. Um, and it was, for me, it was one of their best matches as well because it was, like you say, it was there was a lot of, you know, high impact, fast offense and great chemistry that you usually see between these two. But it slowed down as well with the genuine concern for Will Ospreay after the horrible fall from the Spanish mm-hmm. fly that John and Wade, you know, went into great detail about on their podcast. Um, there was just a a real emotional connection to this match and people were really pulling for for Osprey that just took it over to the next level for me and made it a a really really seminal match in their series the fact that again they, 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 they did all their usual spots and they had all their usual chemistry but when it came down to it, the story was just more scale, stomping on the back of Osprey's head. That stuff got the the big reaction, as well as the convulsed stuff where they, you know, they got, went through all kinds of flips and rolls into scale hitting tombstones on the outside and all the crazy stuff they did. It was the stuff, the stuff that got the crowd, and you could see the reaction on the people in the crowd's faces was just the just the genuine story of Osprey and his, and his poor neck after that horrible uh, Spanish fly bump. Uh, as nasty as it was, just gave the match uh, much more story so i absolutely love the thing i was glad that they they didn't even they didn't really do an extended uh finishing sequence either they went straight to the finish and it was osprey winning out of desperation finally getting that big win against marty scale excellent storytelling so that was awesome and yet the zack saber okada match as well i mean what more can we say about the the job that the, the new japan have done in, in mm-hmm. building uh zack saber jr 
Well, I mean, he's been absolutely... I mean, he, he was sort of started off um, joining Suzuki Gun, didn't he? And then he, he had a couple of uh, big matches against Tanahashi, and then he sort of seemed to just be treading water for a while, and then obviously he's had this incredible run in the New Japan Cup, and then headlining a show against uh, their biggest name is just absolutely fantastic. And I thought the the build of the match, the, the real slow build they had, Sabre Jr. just uh, counteracting anything Okada was throwing at him <laughs> with some, you know, submission. I was watching it for the first time with the English commentary, and even they didn't know half of the names for some of the submissions uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Um, was coming out with. And obviously they noted a lot on the commentary that, you know, this is the sort of style that Billy Robinson and uh, Carl Gotch fetched over to Japan back in the day, and, you know, Zack's uh, keeping up with it today. So, yeah, and it was brilliant to see the crowd, like, really, really get invested in this match, because I did question if this style of match uh, would get over anywhere else but so it's fantastic to see that it took place mm. in new japan and um, interesting to see where uh, zack saber will go from here because obviously okada's moving uh, back onto his old rival tanahashi isn't he? and just uh, a last word on osprey and skill i mean these two have faced off all over the world haven't they and had fantastic matches wherever they've faced off but i'd say this one is probably the the best match they've had and uh, that is some praise considering some of their classics they've had uh, all over the world and I mean you know there about Osprey and his injury and uh, he was questioning whether he was going to make an appearance uh, his numerous appearances rather in New Orleans and uh, he tweeted out today saying a picture of uh, a picture of himself saying I will fight hashtag uh, Nola, so it seems he's got either <laughs> going to carry on regardless or he's received some kind of clearance from doctors so uh People looking forward to seeing Will Ospreay over WrestleMania weekend won't be disappointed. And uh, just a final news item. It's a bit of a sad one. Um, the fortunate retirement of a primate, Jason Prime. I mean, he's announced that he's going to have to end his wrestling career following a freak injury to his jaw. He, he recently had his jaw rebuilt, but docs have told him that any more impact on his jaw could result in it shattering. So... Yeah, really sad news about Jason Prime having to retire. I mean, he wasn't a major name on the UK scene. He's uh, been on the scene for about four or five years now, trained by Rampage Brown. He's uh, probably best known for his matches in what culture, and he's made uh, some tag appearances for Progress and ICW. And uh, yeah, I thought he had some great showings in the tag team, and he was an all-round great brawler. I don't know if um, you managed to check much of uh, Jason Prime while he was wrestling Benno. Yeah, I can't say I'm hugely familiar with him. Like you say, I saw him on Defiant shows and I saw him, you know, the odd appearance that he was doing for Progress. But yeah, it's it's always sad to see somebody, you know, at this stage in their career um, having to, to call it quits. Because, um, yeah, he, he was someone who he, he was well built. He's he's a big guy. Um, he's got a good look. He, had, he always had a bit of charisma about him as well. I always thought that about his appearances in Defiant and, and what culture that there was definitely more you could do with him there. I think his wasn't his last appearance in progress that that seven way uh, in Sheffield yeah, yeah, in, it was, yeah. they never really you know made best use of the tag team or best use of him as a as a singles guy um yeah he's the type of person who you would think based on his look based on his charisma and the fact that he was a half decent worker we might have seen him in bigger promotions we might have seen him even getting a look in in wwe but yeah always sad when uh, someone's having to re- retire early um especially you know through injury and through through something like this uh, so yeah but thoughts uh, definitely go out to him and it's, it's definitely uh, really sad to see yeah, definitely sad to see, and obviously, like you just noted there, thoughts definitely got to Jason Prime. And uh, moving to our last segment on the show is uh, 
from two days from recording this uh, most of the wrestling world is going to be decamping to uh, New Orleans Louisiana four days for uh, Wrestlemania weekend and uh, three British promotions are hosting shows over there and there'll be uh, British wrestlers all over not only indie shows but uh, WWE shows as well and uh, so yeah we're just going to do a, a little roundup and preview of some of the uh, Brit promotions that are heading over to New Orleans uh, Red Pro, I mean, they're going to be holding, um, this is the second time they're holding a show under the WrestleCon banner, and uh, that'll be on the Friday afternoon, and uh, this is uh, featuring a stack lineup, isn't it? Uh, you've got New Japan stars in here, uh, American stars, and then uh, your usual uh, Red Pro uh, stars. Um, David Starr's taking on Martin Stone, Aussie Open uh, taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi and Juice Robinson, Jeff Cobb's taking on Minoru Suzuki, um, uh, Chaos team of Chucky T, Rocky Romero and Will Ospreay taking on Flip Gordon, Kota Ibushi and Shane Strickland. And then um, you've got the Red Pro Undisputed British Heavyweight Champion Zack Sabre Jr. taking on Tomohiro Ishii. And is that a first time match between Sabre Jr. and Ishii Beno? I think so. I can't think of a, a time I've seen it before. Um, I'm trying to remember whether it would see the G1s kind of uh, blend into each other so oh, much. There's yeah. so many great matches. I think they did meet in the G1, but yeah, this, as far as a, a combo goes, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, and Ishii is just that's as big as a match as I think uh, you could do um, for these shows without giving too much away. I've seen some people uh, criticize um, Rev Pro a little bit for, for this match happening here and not help happening elsewhere, but the eyes of the wrestling world are going to mm. be on this weekend. So, yeah, if if Zack Sabre and Ishii can, can uh, they, they had great chemistry uh, in the G1, so if they can reunite and, and do that again, that's a that's a massive match for Rev Pro. I think that'll be great. And yeah, I think they, they put together a, a solid little card there. I mean, Minoru Suzuki and Jeff Cobb, that's another one. I can't, I can't wait to see that one. That's a, a great little combo. Um, it's funny, I mean, these promotions, uh, sometimes when they're doing these New Orleans shows, uh, we're about to talk about uh, progress as well. Um, or like what World Culture did last year when they were over. You look at the card and think that's not a very what culture card or that's not a very progress card but for the most part that's a that's a very rev pro card mm. um although there are there are a lot of imports in there as well but you know rev pro do like to use their imports so yeah it's as a it's as strong as a, a lineup as i think realistically uh, the people over there could expect um, I'm really looking for Aussie Open to put a good showing on this weekend. I mean, it's similar to the way uh, South Pacific Power Trip did for Progress at last year's WrestleMania. I could see them uh, stealing the show at uh, some of these cards. So, uh, really interested mm, to see uh, what Aussie Open do on, on some of these shows. And uh, you just mentioned them there, Progress. They're... Uh, We'll be nipping across town to where uh, they're holding two shows in conjunction with WWN. And uh, the first on Friday, uh, they've announced a lot of matches uh, up for this. Uh, Mardi Graps, what did you think of that that name for the show, Benno? <laughs> Uh, Graps isn't for me. <laughs> Anything <laughs> with that? In. I mean, it looks like the logo looks like it says Marley Graps as, grasps as well. Uh, I'm not a fan, um, but I suppose it's it's clever. It ties into the to the uh, to the idea with uh, with being over there in Nola. <laughs> um, yeah, they've announced uh, Matt Riddle taking on Jimmy Havoc. They've got uh, Zach Gibson, and James Drake taking on Mustache Mountain. Obviously, Mustache Mountain and uh, Pete Dunne. This is a uh, only indie appearances of the weekend. We've got a Thunderbastard match. Uh, Austin Theory, Joey Janela, Jeff Cobb, Ricky Shane Page, Chris Brooks, Darby Allen, MJF and Paro are all involved in that one. Will Ospreay taking on Mark Haskins. Ginny and Mercedes Martinez taking on Tony Storm and Shazza McKenzie. Pete Dunne, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews in a three-way. Ring Camp taking on David Starr and Jack Sexsmith. And then... Uh, 
The Progress champion Travis Beck's taking on Shane Strickland, who's uh, not been in Progress uh, for a while. So interesting to see uh, Strickland back in the uh, Progress mix there. Anything that uh, stands out to you there, Benno, other than who's Paro? I think, <laughs> I think it's great to see uh, Shane Strickland back. But yeah, looking at that, uh, that lineup for the Thunder Bastard, just going back to that point about Rev Pro. I mean, that's the most unprogress looking Thunder Bastard you could really imagine. It just for it's it's one of Progress's famous matches, and they've kind of filled it with guys that I think a lot of Progress fans are going to be looking at going, "Who?" Uh, I mean, I follow Evolve a little bit, and I follow the US Indies a little bit, but even I was kind of like, "Who's Paro?" Yeah. Uh, I, I liked Darby Allen. Uh, Ricky Shane Page was good in Fight Club Pro, although yeah, as far as I. He's not someone who's synonymous with progress, is he? Um, Joey Janela's been good in his brief appearances in progress. I think they were both in the United States. Uh, but yeah, that's just a head-scratcher for me. And ring camp against Sexy Star, just one, it sounds like an absolute murder of Jack Sexsmith. <laughs> Remember Jack Sexsmith? He's, he, apparently he's the number one contender for the progress title for this Manchester show coming up, but you wouldn't know it because um, he keeps getting put in these sexy star tag team matches but if that's not ring camp murdering them too uh, I don't know what else you do uh, I love David Starr I think he's a little bit wasted in this team we didn't really get to talk about that with the with the progress uh, last chapter um, but yeah bit of a strange match to put together really there but yeah I think uh, Jack Sexsmith's going to be uh, feel it in his chest uh, from that match so yeah maybe it'll be it'll be good from that point of view from a, a perverted point of view to get to see ring camp take him apart uh, but yeah solid, solid cards up and all Spray Haskins will, will be fun as always, and that Dunn Webster Andrews match is a, is a very progress match as well. So uh, at least that's there, and I think yeah, the crowd will be red hot for that one as they were last year. Yeah, I suppose you can't really blame them too much because obviously you know they're flying their uh, they, you know the show out to uh, to New Orleans. But like you said there, when they announced that Thunderbuster match, I don't watch Revolver also. I was like scratching my head at least three of these people i was like who are they so i suppose i either need to watch more evolve or there's a lot of people making debuts here i mean who do you think is going to win that thunder bastard match i, I mean it's got to be someone like chris brooks surely isn't it who are you to doubt paro i mean come on <laughs> um, yeah i don't know uh brooks probably because he's the maybe jeff cobb um yeah. He's a bit of a progress regular of sorts, uh, but yeah, I think it would it would really only make sense from a booking point of view to to put Brooks over there, unless you're going to make a big star out of Paro or Ricky Shane Page is coming in for for a big run. Um, but I can't really see that. No, not really. Not since uh, Paul Robinson left and Havoc's not doing so much of the deaf stuff in progress. Can't really see that happening. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> moving on to uh, Progress's second show of the weekend on the Saturday. Uh, Bourbon is also a biscuit. Uh, <laughs> Will That's a great take- name. Yeah. <laughs> Give them that one. Will Ospreay taking on Austin Theory. Uh, Chris Brooks. Uh, is Brooks making his uh, main weekend debuts here, isn't it, uh, for Progress? I don't think he's been over for it before, so uh, pretty good for him. He's taking on Ray Horace. And then we've got uh, Walter V. Zack Sabre Jr. in a number one contenders match for the Progress uh, Championship. I mean, another number one contenders match. You love those, don't they? But uh, <laughs> certainly uh, interested to see Brooks against Ray Horace. That uh, that'll should be a really interesting match, I think. Yeah, and Brooks is someone who said before he's a, he's a fan as well. So I just he's the type of person who who will know how to work with a Ray Horace, and I think we'll get a good match out of that. Osprey Theory will be good on that show as well. Yeah, Walter and Zack Sabre they do love a good number uh, one contenders match because we just talked about the last chapter where it's very clear that Walter's going to be getting a title match with Travis Banks. So there's a bit of a bit of confusion there. I'd be very surprised to see Zack Sabre uh, go over here, but yeah, maybe maybe they're, they're thinking a, a couple of steps ahead of us. Um, but yeah. Uh, 
interesting card there from Progress, and like I say, excellent name for the show. I'll, I'll forgive the uh, the Graps one. I'll forgive Mardi Graps for that. I think that's a, that's a solid one, <laughs> even if the Americans maybe uh, aren't quite going to get it. And uh, moving on to the uh, last British promotion hosting the show is uh, Fight Club Pro. They're holding a show under the WrestleCon banner uh, in conjunction with US Indies, AAW, and uh, Wrestling Revolver. That's going to be on the Saturday morning. It's uh, Pancakes and Pile Drivers Part 2. It's Penta, L0M, and Phoenix taking on Teddy Hart and Jack Evans. Colt Cabana and Marty DeRose taking on Joey Ryan and Session Moth Martina. Jessica Havert taking on um, the new Fight Club Pro champion, Michael Setamara and Kimberly in a three-way. And then uh, OVE versus AR Fox, and then ACH against Trevor Lee for the AAW Championship. And uh, interesting card there, uh, Benno. I know uh, Jordan Devlin's also being announced for that show. So uh, it appears that, you know, just from the lineup I've just read out there, there's not that many Fight Club Pro people on it, but I know they've got some matches uh, to be announced there. And uh, that Colt Cabana and Marty DeRose against Joe Ryan <laughs> and the Sessions Moth Martini one will certainly be interesting, won't it? That'll be a riot, yeah. I like Marty DeRose as a podcaster. I'm not sure about him in ring here. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Like you say, it's not a pure Fight Club Pro card, so you can kind of forgive it. I did kind of look at the cards and... Uh, Miko has kind of been put over as a Fight Club Pro person, and it makes sense now that she's the champion. So cool that she's going to be defending the the title abroad, and they're in a three way. Penta and, and Phoenix against Teddy Hart and Jack Evans. That sounds like a match. That sounds like my kind of wrestling. Um, Teddy Hart and Jack Evans are one of my, two of my favorite wrestlers going back years. Uh, they were Flippy before Flippy was cool, um, and to get to see like yeah, the, uh, I suppose it's a class of generations that because Penta and Phoenix are very much the the hot indie act, and I'm old enough to remember when Teddy Hart was the uh, the hot indie act. Uh, so that's kind of cool to to get there as well. So yeah, interesting card there. That's not one. That seems to be a show that's flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, all of these shows we've talked about, I don't think any of the, the Brit Res cards are actually going to be live. They're all going to be available on VOD. But yeah, looking at that card, I think you've convinced me that's uh, certainly something to check out. How am I going to miss a, a match with Marty DeRosa in it against Sasha Moth Martina? Uh, I'll have to, definitely have to track that one down. Yeah, that certainly should be interesting. I, I'm kind of annoyed that we're not getting uh, Miko against Kimberly. I think that'd work better as a match uh, rather than just Calvert being thrown in there as well. But I suppose you can't can't get it, especially be, it being wrestling revolver. But um, I mean, I'm going to be heading over to New Orleans on Thursday morning. But Benno, you've been busy uh, on your spreadsheet, haven't you? Putting together a timeline of what you can watch and where <laughs> where you can watch it if you want into New Orleans. Yeah, in, in a close. Post Flow Slam world, it's it's very difficult to work out exactly how much uh, it's going to cost to stream all the, the live shows over the weekend. So yeah, if you head to my Twitter, it's pinned at the top. I've tried to do a bit of a guy. The cheapest way appears to be buying the shows through Fight, who give you all kinds of free tokens back. Have a little look and, and try and work it out. Uh, I did feel like uh, Rain Man trying to pull the numbers together on the spreadsheet to to work out what was uh, what was the cheapest way of doing it all between w, Club WWN, Club Ring of Honor, the the, the fight uh, options. Um, but yeah, I've tried to put it all together in one place, so hopefully that'll be useful for people. Yeah, because as much as the uh, British promotions won't be on, uh, won't be streaming live, you know, there's certainly a lot to watch. And, uh, you know, hats off to you and uh, Senior Lariato from Twitter for putting these uh, spreadsheets together. It certainly makes it a lot easier for people who are, are trying to plan out to watch this uh, in the comfort of their own living room. And um, I would have thought Pro, uh, Red Pro rather will be up sort of like the Monday or Tuesday. I mean, they're usually pretty quick on uh, getting those things up. And uh, obviously, John and Way are going to be, uh, you know, doing shows galore. They'll be all over New Orleans. And uh, so certainly an exciting time to be checking out post wrestling during uh, WrestleMania weekend. And uh, yeah, just before we get out of here, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Bushby01. 
And you can follow me on Twitter at Benson Richard E, and that's where yeah you can find the aforementioned spreadsheet as well as on the uh, the post wrestling forum. So uh, check out that thread there too. Yeah, so be sure to head over to postwrestling.com and like Ben and over there, check out the forum and, uh, you know, leave your feedback for this week's show and check out uh, Spreadsheets put together. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll be back on the 18th of April with all the fallout from WrestleMania weekend and all the latest from British wrestling. <laughs>